Thank you so much for tuning in to the Defending Christianity podcast. I'm your host, Levi Dade, and in this podcast, we aim to talk about the evidence and reasons for why the Christian faith is true and why it is good. We do this with the hope to encourage the church to engage the culture around us and to be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus as 1 Peter 3.15 commands. Thank you so much for listening. God bless. So we're going to take a few minutes and and have a small Q&A for you uh, from our listeners, and I'm going to go through these, but we will only be able to get to a few of them, and I, I put six down, so we'll just see what time right. allows. We got about 25 minutes until until okay. it's time. So we got Peter from, from, from Pretoria, South Africa. He said, what are your oh. thoughts on presuppositionalism? Okay, as the best I understand presuppositionalism, it's a method of trying to get people to accept Christianity as true. But in my view, it seems circular because basically what they're saying is you have to presuppose the Bible is true. Well, if you're presupposing it's true, you're not really defending it. That's the whole point, mm-hmm. right? You're kind of begging the question. But I, I agree with presuppositionalists that there are presuppositions that say non-believers have uh, before they even consider the question of God. Like, obviously, they have to presume they exist and they have to presume that uh, evidence is a good thing to get and reason it. We have the ability to reason and to come to valid conclusions about the world. And what I point out in my book, Stealing from God, is that assumptions like that or presuppositions like that can best be explained by God. For example, our ability to reason, the fact that we have the ability to discover truths outside of our own heads and draw conclusions about the real world out there presupposes a mind that set this world up and set our minds up and and enabled them to actually know truth about reality. If we're just molecules in motion, if we're just molecular machines, if we're just moist robots, why should we believe anything we think, right? Why should we believe atheism's true or anything's true? If we can't really follow the evidence where it leads, if we, if our minds Aren't, can't be trusted because they're driven completely by the laws of physics. So in my view, atheists and some other non-believers are presupposing things that can only exist if God exists in order to say he doesn't exist. That's why the book is called Stealing from God, Why Atheists Need God to Make Their Case. Mm-hmm. Um, if I could just real quick, I love if I can find it, man, uh, if I don't take too long doing this, I'm just going to give up. But you talked about... Right here, actually, you were going through a debate you had with with Michael. Um, well, what, what's Shermer? his last name? Mm-hmm. Shermer. Yeah, yeah, and and it's about reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you said, uh, I'd argue, and he said that the argues that he would argue that the laws of logic really don't exist. He said, and you said, so you're saying they do? He says, no. And you say, yes, you're saying they do. And he says, how am I saying they do? And you say, because you're using the law of non-contradiction right now to say I'm wrong. And <laughs> I laughed out loud when I read that. I don't know. Uh, what what you said kind of reminded me of that. It was, it's just really interesting um, about the laws of logic and how we, we can't know anything. You can't not have. use them. Yeah, yeah. In order to say the laws of logic don't exist, you're using the laws of logic. Right? <laughs> so the question is. Why do the laws of logic exist? And in my view, they're grounded in the nature of God. They can't just be grounded in our minds. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to communicate right now. If you had your own view of the laws of logic and I had my own laws of logic, we couldn't even communicate. So they're grounded in God's mind. And that's why we can communicate. Our minds can communicate with one another. 
We didn't create the laws of logic. We didn't create this bridge between minds, but we use this bridge between minds in order to communicate and to know things about the real world. Well, I'm glad that we can. <laughs> uh, it'd be pretty hard if we didn't. So Dylan from Texas says, what is the best way to start a conversation about Christianity if you are not wanting to be pushy, but would also like to spread the name of Christ, knowing you might not see a person again in a given Turn or burn, heretic. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to do it. Repent now or your toast. No. Uh, well, it really depends on the person quite obviously and how much time you have. And, uh, you know, there's, I don't know if there is any one best way. Yeah. Uh, when I meet somebody for the first time, I normally ask them, well, where are you from? And they say, and then they ask me where I'm from and what do you do? And, and then they ask me what I do. And then I can tell them, right. And then I see if they have any interests. Now, mm -hmm. if you're, if you're not an apologist or you're not somebody that uh, does these kind of things and you know, you can't use that question to get people to see or to get to see, to get to see if people are spiritually interested. Um, I like the survey approach sometimes, you know, Hey, you know, you mind if I ask you a few spiritual questions? Cause I'm taking a course right now and mm. you can take one of our courses and because we ask people to do this um, or I'm preparing to take a course. Even I'm trying to figure out what the spiritual beliefs of people are. And then you can ask him any question you want. You know, do you think there's a God who is he, what is he, you know, you can just, yeah. It's interesting. See where they see where they're coming from. And then you use those tactics from Greg Kokel's book tactics. Yeah. What do you mean by that? And how'd you come to that conclusion yeah. to keep the conversation right going? Right there it is, right there. Uh so so yeah, I I hope to uh take that course in the future, actually. Um you're gonna be at Myrtle Beach, South Carolina next year, aren't you? Is it is it next uh, summer? I think that's in October, if I'm oh, not no, mistaken. I'm sorry, September. it is October. It, it was September. October. September yeah, or September, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Dr. Uh, Alex McFarland was telling me about that yesterday. So mm -hmm. we can invite mm -hmm. people on here closer to the end if you want. Um, sure. So Caitlin from Texas says, and, and this is actually a good friend of mine and she is just about as into apologetics as I am. And she actually is an author on my blog, defending Christianity blog. She asks, what advice do you have for remaining humble as an apologist? Well, I'll tell you, I just wrote a book called 10 Steps to Humility and How I Made It in Seven, which is really humble to me, Levi, because I actually made it in six. Okay, I'm just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, gee, how do you remain humble? Well, one of the things I think you always have to do is try and remember that people ought not agree with you. In other words, you shouldn't expect everyone to agree with you. Why should you expect everyone to agree with you? You don't know where somebody's coming from. You don't know what kind of background they have, what kind of education they have, what kind of likes and dislikes they've had, you know? So when people I see on a college campus who give me a kind of a hostile question or they want to fight back over something, that doesn't offend me at all. I mean, why would it? Why should I expect this, this young man or young woman at a college campus to agree with me? When I was his age or her age, I didn't even agree with me now. Hey, Dr. Tariq, right? I'm, I'm sorry. When you said that you were on a college campus and somebody gets hostile, you kind of froze. Could you possibly just start back from, from what you oh, said? Oh, okay. Uh, okay. What I meant was when someone on, the, on a college campus gives me a hostile question or they want to fight back a little bit, um, that doesn't offend me at all. Why should it? Why mm -hmm. should I expect this 20-year-old young man or woman to agree with me? Why should I expect them to agree with me? 
I mean, when I was their age, I didn't agree with me now. <laughs> so mm. like we're all in a process of learning. And Paul says this, I think he says this in first Timothy, he says, I was an insolent and arrogant man when I persecuted the church, but Christ showed me mercy. And so we ought to keep reminding ourselves that without Christ, none of us are going to make it. Mm. Uh, we're no better than anyone else uh, without Christ. Oh, sure. Maybe we're more moral some other, than other people, but we're still an infinitely long way away from the standard. Mm. Uh, then, so yeah. it doesn't really do us any good. Say, okay. Yeah. My thoughts are higher um, than We your still thoughts. all need a savior. <laughs> yeah. In fact, somebody put it this way. Evangelism is just one beggar showing another beggar where the food is. Mm. And, 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 and by the way, the more you get into apologetics, the more you get into looking for evidence for the faith, the more you realize what you don't know. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. You might know a lot. You might know a lot more than other people, but there's so much you don't know. And there's so mm. much I don't know. In fact, I agree with my mentor, Dr. Geiser, who used to say this, and I think it's true in my own life. On the bigger issues, I'm more certain. On the lesser issues, I'm less certain as time goes on. And what I mean by that is, on the big issues, is there a God? Did Jesus die and rise from the dead? Are we saved by grace rather than works? Yeah, I'm, I'm more certain about that than anything. I'm more certain about the essentials. But on secondary questions, like how old is the universe or, you know, or um, uh, what's the best end times view mm -hmm. or, and, you know, other questions that Christians argue over. I'm going, I don't know, man, you, you could be right on that one. You, know, you could be mm -hmm. right on this one. I, I, I see evidence on both sides. I think if, on the age issue, I think the evidence is better that the earth is the universe is old, but I could be wrong, you know. On, on the on the That's, end times question, I don't know what position to take because I know people way smarter than me who have studied it more. They're just as conservative as I am. They believe in the errant Bible and they come to different conclusions. So I go, look, I'm, yeah. I'm not on the planning committee. I'm on the welcoming committee. When Jesus shows up, I'll <laughs> welcome him, but I'm not trying to plan his return. OK, I love that. I think I'm going to use that. Uh, All right. Good for it. So it's funny that you mentioned about the uh, creation, the, the uh, age of the earth, because our next yeah. question will. As where do you fall in the interpretation of the creation account in terms of being literal or figurative? Well, I think what we need to do when we look at uh, virtually any book of the Bible, but particularly Genesis 1, the creation account, we need to keep in mind when it was written. It was written by Moses for people who had just escaped Egypt. And if you look at the creation account of Genesis, um, that really appears to be a polemic or a response to an Egyptian creation story. The difference is in the Egyptian creation story, the creators were part of the universe and they weren't really concerned with the creation of material like we are. You know, they weren't asking the question, where did all this stuff came from, come from? What they were more concerned with was where did all this order come from? You know, why is there a difference between the, the land and the sea and the sky and all these things? Why is there design? Why is there life? Right. All these things. Mm -hmm. They were more concerned with order rather than the creation of all things. And so these Israelites who had just gotten out of fourth 100 years of slavery in, in, in Egypt, were not asking the questions that we're asking. You know, they're not walking out of Egypt going, I wonder how old this place is. Gee, you know, <laughs> you know, how are we created? You know, they're not asking that question. They want to know, is Yahweh the true God? 
And so when Moses writes Genesis one under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he basically writes it in my view anyway. And, you know, some other people have said this is just as in my view, he's writing to say Yahweh's the true God. What you heard in Egypt isn't completely right. This is the true God. Yahweh's outside the universe. He created the universe and brought order to it all. He created all of us. Now, if you want to look at the text itself and trying to come to some sort of conclusion that, you know, how old the universe is, I don't think you can do that by just looking at the text. Why? Well, if you want to take a real hyper literal view of Genesis, what's the first verse of the Bible say? It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, when was the beginning? It doesn't say. You say, what about the days? The days don't begin until verse three, right? Where it says, and God said, well, a literal interpretation says the heavens, the heavens and the earth are already created. Yeah. So is this a summary statement of what it's about to be said? Could be. Or is this is there a is there a, a time difference between these, you know, verse verses one and two and verse three? We don't know. Mm. I mean, it could be young by what the the text of Genesis says, or it could be indeterminate. Yeah, but all we don't biblical- know. All biblical authors are going to include things that they write that are pertinent to their purpose and mm-hmm. that help get what they want to communicate across. They aren't going to give us all this extra information that we try to get today. No, exactly right. I and mean, we're trying to squeeze all sorts of modern day questions into an ancient text, mm-hmm. which wasn't necessarily meant to answer all the modern day questions. So I don't think Genesis and even Augustine, who lived in 400 A.D., he didn't think Genesis one was trying to give you the age of the earth. I mean, why would that matter how old the universe is anyway? What does that matter theologically? That God created is more certain than when. That's the issue that God is the creator. Does it matter if he created 10,000 years ago or whatever or 10 billion years? That doesn't really matter to, to us now. What matters to us and human beings is. Is there a God? And what is he? Is he going to come save us? Yeah, that's what the story is all about. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And for anybody listening who will, who's actually going to go back and look at that, I would just really say when you interpret scripture, please don't let scripture contradict scripture somewhere else. That's a very important principle in mm-hmm. interpretation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think we've got two or three minutes. And so we can just do this as quickly as you By want. By the way, Levi, a couple other things quickly. Yeah. Some of these questions that have already been asked are, in videos on our YouTube channel. So if they want more, they can go to our YouTube channel, cross examined two words, and they find these these, uh, videos of Q&A, but go ahead. Uh, This one's probably on there too. What's the, this is from John from Ohio. What's the best way to defend against progressive Christianity? Uh, Well, I think is to ask questions. Why do you think that's true? How did you come to that conclusion? What do you mean by inspired. Oh yeah, I think the Bible is inspired. What do you mean by that? Most progressive Christians means it was it's inspired like Shakespeare is inspired or C.S. Lewis, right? Um, I would just keep asking questions and ask them, what evidence do you have for that view? Because in my view, progressive Christianity is neither progressive nor Christian mm. because they're getting away from Jesus. They're not agreeing with Jesus. They're disagreeing with Jesus. So if you're disagreeing with Jesus, you're not progressive, you're regressive. And if you're disagreeing with Jesus, you're not Christian. <laughs> That's the whole point, right? Yeah. Why would you call yourself a Christian if you're disagreeing with Jesus? 
because you make him Lord of your life, so you're kind of in submission to him. And Paul says in Galatians that any other gospel outside of the gospel of Christ is no gospel at all. So Exactly. My friend uh, Lisa Childers has written a yeah. nice book on that called Another Gospel. Mm-hmm. And you can check out her website or our website, too, because she's on our website and our YouTube channel. So you can check that out there. But I'd ask a lot of questions of progressive Christians. By what standard <laughs> are you progressing? Or to what standard are you progressing? Uh, and because so much of this has to do with the sex issues, Levi, I would ask this question. If Jesus really sacrificed himself to save you and he wanted you for your own good and the good of others to refrain from certain sexual activities, would you obey him and see what they say? Mm. Because you know what the answer probably is? No. Okay, fine. We're going back to the elephant in the room. It's not Christianity then. Don't call yourself a Christian if you're not following Jesus. I mean, Suppose you and I came down from Mount Sinai. We're part of, uh, or we're, we're at Mount Sinai. We're part of the Israelites, right? On our way to the promised land. And Moses comes down with the 10 commandments and he looks at us and he goes, Hey, Levi, Frank, here are the 10 commandments. And we look at him and we go, you know what? We really don't like those 10. We have our own 10. Should we call ourselves followers of Yahweh? No, no. Well, why are these people calling themselves Christians when they're not following Jesus or the apostles? Makes sense. I don't get it. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today on Defending Christianity Podcast. I hope and pray that you were encouraged and strengthened in your faith. And if you're someone who's seeking truth, I hope and pray that you have gotten closer to that. Because Jesus is the truth. Join us next time on the Defending Christianity Podcast. God bless.